Hello. <laughs> How is everybody? <laughs> it's fall, y'all. I feel like whenever we get in October, we can officially say it's fall. I almost put my boots on. Almost. But I'm not quite there yet. We'll get there. We're continuing our series on our vision statement and on our core values. So we've talked about uh, our call, what, what it is that we do in our community, what we do as a church. And now we're digging into our core values, and so we've covered some of those. I want to go ahead and let you know that if you haven't already, to go ahead and open your St. John app. We are going to be using that today, um, pretty hardcore later on in the sermon. Uh, so I really invite you to open that up. It'll be a good uh, way for you to sort of do some reflection as we will do that. Um, but I'm just going to let you know I'm feeling a little fasty today. So I'm going to expect participation, interaction. Okay, so I'm giving you that warning now. The 830 service did amazingly. So they set the bar really high, all right? So you all gotta do that too. But to get us warmed up, I would love for us to say our vision statement together, okay? So this is starting really easy, all right? So let's say this together. We are making a difference by following Christ, offering hope, serving others, and loving everyone. Awesome, all right, so that's our vision statement. And we talked about that um, the first four weeks, mid-April through, or mid-April, wow mid-August through some of September, and now we're kicking into our values, who we are, what is our identity. And so for the past couple of weeks, we talked about being Christ-centered. We've talked about being family-focused, and today we're going to dig in to being discipleship-driven. Now, before we really dig into what this means for us, I want to visit back to August 28th. I know that was a long time ago, feels like, right? But we laid out a challenge, as Tom and I were talking about offering hope, we laid out a challenge that an easy way to live out being a disciple, to offer that hope, is to invite people to church. So how's that going? <laughs> Don't everybody jump at once. I know. I'm not asking you this to make you feel guilty. I'm just reminding you that this is a very easy way that we can take part in being a discipleship-driven church because it gives us the opportunity to have another touch point with people, to extend the love of Christ. It allows us the opportunity to get them pulled in, to plug them in, uh, to help them get connected into more ways they can grow as disciples and give them more opportunities to actually make disciples. So I want to encourage you to continue doing this. I also want to hear stories, how this is going for you. Man, I've invited like 10 people and nobody's come. I know there's been some overachievers out there who have already done this and do this all the time. So if you have some tips, then let me know. We can share that with other people. You know, we're all here to learn and to grow and to figure out better ways of doing this so that we can really have more opportunities to share the love of Christ with people. So I'm going to lay that out there. All right, so when you think about getting into a car to drive, who controls it? Who's the driver? You are, right? The person who's getting in the car behind the wheel. You control it. All right, guys, you, you got to step up your game. I told you this is going to be participation. All right, so now, once we're in the car, we've turned the car on, we're getting ready to go, what then drives how we, the way we operate the car? Usually where we're going, right? Our destination. For me, I get into the car and the first thing I do is I put in my destination to see where's the fastest way to get there. <laughs> because it's Louisville, there's traffic everywhere. And especially with 265, I need to know, is 265 gonna be the best way or which way am I gonna go? So anyway, so typically it's GPS for me, it's maps. Today we're studying the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy to really let Timothy know, hey, these are your coordinates. This is how you live out your life as being a leader in the church, as being a disciple. So Paul is, is allowing, telling Timothy, 
what it's going to take to drive him, what should drive him. And these are two really short verses that we're going to read from Timothy. So, of course, I'm going to ask for you all to read these with me. All right, you ready? You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me through many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Awesome. Thank you all. All right. So here at St. John, we have a vision. We have a definition of what it is to be a disciple. To be a disciple is to act. Abide in Christ, change like Christ, and take action for Christ. If you would like to know more information about that and what exactly that means, we offer a class here, um, an Act Discipleship Discovery class. We really dig in to what it is to abide in Christ, how, how it is that we change like Christ. We take on, on Christ's likeness and we become more and more like God through the sanctification process. And then lastly, how we take action, how we share the gospel, how we live out being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so this is what Paul in these four, two verses do. He really touches on how to live out being a disciple. And so uh, I really want to share here now um, the two things out of these two verses that he shares with us that we do to live out this call of discipleship. So the first one is to stay strong in God. And in Eugene Peterson's version, the translation of his Bible, of the Bible from the messages, he says, so my son, throw yourself into this work for Christ. I love that. Throw yourself. Lose yourself. Put everything you've got into the work you are doing for Christ. Because nothing else truly matters. It's the work we do for God day in and day out. And what Paul is really doing here in this first verse is warning Timothy, take on the grace of God. Depend on God's grace for your strength. The same grace that pulled you in to discover who Jesus was. Continue leaning into that grace. Because, you know, before Christ, we depended on ourselves, right? But then we learn about Christ and we connect to the Holy Spirit. And we now know what truly can be our strength. And, and what he's doing here is he's telling Timothy, hey, this isn't going to be an easy road. This is going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. And we know that because where is Paul writing this letter from? Prison. He's in prison. He's writing this letter from prison, and he's expecting to die any day. He has no idea when the end will come. So he's sitting there waiting, but he knows he has to continue to empower the leaders of the church to continue leading other people, sharing the gospel so that they will rise up and be leaders too. You see, before Christ, we were dead. We were depending on our own ways, uh, the, our own strength to get through, and that doesn't really work out well. We usually end up in a worse spot. But when we've discovered Christ, we know God's strength, His power, His patience, His love, His mercy, through the Holy Spirit, we can plug into those things, and that's how we can make it through being a disciple, because it's not easy. And Paul's letting Timothy know that, hey, this isn't going to be an easy road. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have animosity. At this point, there had been people that had actually left Christianity and was like, Paul, we want nothing to do with what you got. There's too much persecution out there. So he was reminding Timothy, when you're met with this persecution, depend on the grace of Jesus Christ to see you through. All right, then secondly, Paul emphasizes to Timothy to stick to the message. Stick to the gospel truth. The truth is what you're going to share. You see, when we deliver the message of the gospel, 
And we don't cut corners, we don't beat around the bush, we say it humbly and we say it boldly about who Jesus is, what Jesus did for people, what he will continue to do for people. The Holy Spirit will do wonders through that. The Holy Spirit will, will break chains from people's hearts, take the blinders off their eyes, allow them to really see that the things of this world aren't the things that are gonna rescue them and provide them freedom, that it's Jesus. Jesus is love that has been there from, for them from the very beginning and will continue to see them through each and every day. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit will rise up new leaders. And that's what Paul needed Timothy to do. He needed Timothy to rise up people, to get people to learn how to lead, to help them know that they were already equipped. There was nothing they really needed to do because God had already called them. They were already equipped to do the work. And Paul does that for Timothy because, well, number one, Jesus says to do it. But he also does it because he knew Timothy was going to be leaving the church of Ephesus to go to Rome to be with Paul. And so he was raising Timothy up knowing that at some point that church was going to need a new leader. That Timothy wasn't going to always be there to lead. And so it's important to share the gospel that way so that the gospel can transform our hearts and we will live into the people we have called to be, the leaders that we've been called to be. Now, some thoughts here locally for our small groups. Now, the point of small groups here at St. John is, yes, to grow and mature as disciples, to do life with one another, to walk through the hard times and the good times and, and be there for each other and encourage and hold people accountable for the things that we're going through, to holding fast to Christ. But another essential reason of small groups is to learn to disciple others and live out the word that we're studying. So Love, Love Does, which is a book by Bob Goff, I think I've actually talked about this book before. It's one of my favorite books. So Bob Goff doesn't call his small groups Bible studies. He calls them Bible doing. Bible doing. They look at the word and then they say, okay, what are we going to do about it now? What is God telling us to do? It's so important to not just study the Word, but to be participants in it. How do we live out God's Word in our lives? Because I told you I was going to be feisty. You ready? We're going to play a game. We're going to play Simon Says. So I was looking for a video to play in my Act Discipleship class, and I found a really awesome one by Francis Chan. It's like two minutes long. <laughs> I was like, oh, show that. Tom was like, oh, yeah, you should definitely show that. Well, <laughs> then someone in my Act Discipleship class, I will not call out who they were was like, we should totally play Simon Says. And I went, that's awesome. So now we're going to do it. So you're welcome. Okay, so I'm going to review the rules just for all of those of us who may have forgotten how to play Simon Says. So I'm going to say Simon Says, you're going to do the action. And then I'm going to tell you to stop. I learned in the first service I did not say stop. So some people were patting their heads the whole time. I'm kidding. They didn't really do it the whole time, but they let me know. I felt wrong about stopping because Simon did not tell me to stop. Okay, and then if I were to say a command, but Simon didn't say it, well, that means you're out, right? Okay, and if you don't do a command, that means you're out. And I said 830 had high expectations, so I expect everybody to be patting your head. Okay, let's start. Simon says, pat your right foot. Ooh. Unfortunately, I'm the only one that can really hear it because I'm on hardwood. Simon says, stop. Simon says, pat your head. Camden, I'm going to need you to participate. He's not listening. Stand up. 
okay, 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 okay. Good job, Simon said stop. Okay, I'll stop now. But we're going to play another game. You know I can't just stop there. We're going to play Jesus Says. It's a little more serious. So this is where your app will come in. So if you have the app open, you'll see that there's different uh, commandments that Jesus gave us. And you're going to reflect on these commandments, okay? So how am I doing? You're going to grade yourself. You're going to have a little talk with Jesus during this point. And you're going to say, okay, God, is there room for me to improve? Now, if you don't have the app and you're like, Ashley, I'm not bringing my phone into church. I've told you this a million times. Stop asking me. There is paper in the pews with pencils, okay, so that you can use those to reflect and write down, okay? I'm, I'm an equal employer opportunist. I like everyone to have opportunity. Okay, so scale 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. Now, I'm going to go ahead and burst some bubbles. No one will have a 10. That's Jesus level, okay? If you write a 10 down, you need to come see me or Tom. We need to have some talks, okay? All right, so here's the first one. Jesus says, love one another. How are we doing with loving one another? One to 10. And there's space there that if you need to say a little prayer about it, you can do that too. Jesus says, repent. Jesus says, repent. As I'm going to warn you, there's some that Jesus didn't say. So these are beliefs that we may or may not hold that could influence how we're holding out Jesus' commands, okay? So this scale will be a little different. One, you don't believe this at all. Or 10, well, that's the gospel truth, okay? So Sunday is the only day you need to worship God. How strongly do you believe that Sunday is the only day you need to worship God? One, I don't believe that at all. Or 10, that's the holy truth. Jesus says, pray at all times. Pray at all times. Following Jesus will be easy. If it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. Because Jesus said it would be easy. I'd like to find that scripture. If anybody has it, let me know. My pastors are the ones called to serve and disciple. Not me, them. My pastors. And well, I, I give, I give an offering, so that pays their salaries. So technically I'm doing the work. If you want to take it a step further. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. This was by no means meant to be a guilt trip. We always need to reflect where we are, where we've been and where we are today. 
because we've always got room to grow. And Jesus didn't give us these commandments to make us feel bad or just give us stuff to do. I mean, we do need stuff to do because most of the stuff we do is just time wasters anyway. But Jesus gives us these things. He says these things to us because he desires deep relationship with us. He desires us to truly know his love. And he wants all nations, every single person, to know his love. And the more we say yes to these things, the more we're going to discover his love the more other people are going to discover his love. You see, Jesus gives us these commandments to say yes, to say yes to him. It's not a one-time yes. We don't accept him as our Savior, and that's it. We say, okay, God, what's next? Where do you want me to go next? What do you want me to do next? I'm on fire to serve you. Where do you want me to go? Bob Goff says in his book, I used to think you had to be special for God to use you. But now I know you simply need to say yes. You simply need to say yes. The moment you do that, he's already equipped you. He's already called you. He's already set forth the path of where you're called to go. To be a discipleship-driven church, we need to be yes people for God. Even if it makes us uncomfortable, even if we don't like it, even if we've always done it that way, we shouldn't do it this way. Even if we're afraid, he's going to see us through it. He's going to be there with us when we depend on him, we abide in him, and we allow him to take the will for us. So when Jesus gives us a command, not only do we say yes, we say who, what, when, and where.